Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Kimberly, thanks for coming back this week. We're continuing yeah. our study of the present future. Love this book. This is a book written by Reggie McNeil, very bright guy. Mm-hmm. His premise is that the world is changing rapidly. In fact, the world has already changed. The future is already present. But sometimes we're not aware of those changes, especially people who might be cocooned inside of a church where they're not really engaged with the world around them. What do we do? How do we function in a world that's changing so rapidly? This book is a fun read. Reggie is a crisp writer, and and he's just hilarious, actually. Yeah, he is. But he also is very insightful and drives the point home, and we'd love for you to have a copy of this book, no matter where you are in relation to church life. Whether you're going to church or never go to church, you'll find this a very engaging read. We want to make a copy available to you. First up, call us up. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Call us up seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Touch base. We'll make sure our book gets in your hand. Or you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us an email and let us know you'd like a copy of the resource. Absolutely. Or just write me a letter. Use the Postal Service, Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, let us hear from you, and we'll put a copy of this book in your hand. You'll be glad you received it. But for now, Kimberly, we want to move on to the second installment of the series, which focuses on right questions and wrong questions. And when we come back, let's talk a bit about what is the wrong question we ask as we face this brave new world, and what's the right question we should be asking. absolutely amazed by some of today's technology. I don't understand how it all works, but I'm amazed nonetheless. Hi, this is Jennifer Wilson, and I want to talk about another mobile moment, a time when you're in a most unlikely place and are still able to make connection. My husband recently got an iPad, a tablet computer. Because it's part of the Apple family of products, he's able to participate in a phenomenon called FaceTime, where his gadget can call another gadget and the cameras on each connect with live video feed. You can actually see each other while you're talking. Amazing! The stuff of the Jetsons has come to my living room. I gave my sister on the east coast of the United States a tour of my Midwestern home. She was able to see something I saw in real time. You know, there was a time when the prophet Elisha had a mobile moment like that. We find the story in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6. A great army was coming to surround him. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Ah, my Lord, what will we do now? He cried out to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire from heaven. What kind of connection are you in need of today? Do you need a mobile moment where you can envision what heaven sees? Schedule a little FaceTime with God in prayer. Ask Him to open your eyes so you can see what heaven sees. You'll be amazed. 
Kimberly, I grew up in church. I've known it my whole life. I am now a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so while I have many relationships and intersections in the world beyond, I have to admit, you know, my world has been formed and fashioned by the church. And I've seen the church as, as the hope of the world. You know, we're the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all the people who aren't in church, we're here for you. And we want you to know that we are your ticket out of hell itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I see myself, <laughs> you know, historically as being part of this kind of institutional frame right. that had so much it's to offer. culture, right? That's it's the a, way yeah. I was raised. Mm-hmm. But that sometimes can lead somebody like me to ask the wrong questions. When when the world is, is evolving or maybe devolving away from values that I might embrace or think are correct, as the world is just changing so rapidly, I might think, man, what are we going to do about that? And my wrong question, and I think a question a lot of church people ask, is this, how do we grow the church? As if growing the church is the answer for this world in so much difficulty. And at some levels, I would still affirm that the church's expansion helps. Mm -hmm. But it's the wrong question, because when you say, how do we grow the church, you can kind of get detoured into, well, how do we get more people to come in the doors. Right. It's the wrong approach to the problem. Right, right. Sometimes people use the word attractional. Mm -hmm. What would you say that means? Attractional Attractional is when you put your efforts into drawing people into your church, into the building. You want the folks to come to you. I'm going to grow the church by getting more people into Mm -hmm. the doorway. Right. Get a chair, fill up a pew, get more bodies under the roof, and therefore the church has grown and the world will be better. Mm -hmm. Well, no harm done if they get inside, but I'm not sure... That attractional methodology is really the methodology of Jesus. No, certainly wasn't. Or of Paul. Or, well, or <laughs> of a lot of anointed ministry over mm-hmm. 20 centuries. Mm-hmm. And let's just be clear here as we talk about coming into the church building, we still have church buildings. I pastor church with a building. Of course. <laughs> and it has great value, and it can still be a great instrument. Mm-hmm but not so that we can get people into it to do and go through the motions that are comfortable for me. That's right. But so that I can use that building, or we in the church family can use that building as an instrument to speak into people's lives effectively as the world's changing. Now, that attractional approach is contrasted with a missional Missional. approach. Mm -hmm. How would you define that? So a missional approach is an approach that seeks to reach out. And so even if the program, if the ministry happens in the building, it has a missional posture for it. It's about the other. It's about doing what you need to do to reach out rather than to pull in. And that's Mm life-giving. And that leads us to really what is the right question we should all be asking as the world changes so quickly. The question is not how do we grow the church? It is how do we transform our community? That's right. That might include bringing them into some event within a church building. Sure. But the larger frame of reference is what is going to transform this community? What is actually going to change the way mm-hmm. people live and breathe and act and know and love right. in the community into which we've been dropped in this world? That's the question. And as always, with every good question, we want to see, where does Jesus land on the answer? Mm -hmm. How did Jesus model for us? How did he approach the world in which he lived? Because what Jesus did so long ago as he walked in this world actually is exactly what we should be doing now too. The future is present, but actually Jesus in the past showed us how to come to terms with it. Mm When we come back, a great story. I know it's one of your favorite yes, passages. Is. We want to put it on the table and learn from Jesus about how we can transform our communities. 
Seems like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all my failures. Wondering how long is this gonna last? Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight. It's already been won. And I am redeemed. You said.
the world in which we live, Kimberly, has many dividing lines. Mm-hmm. And while we celebrate all the ways in which diversity has been esteemed and valued in recent modern times in ways that it never would have been before. And we are privileged to live in a country that has a legacy of a dream like Martin Luther King's dream so powerfully presented on the Washington Mall way back in 1963. I mean, so much progress has been made in helping us understand that we don't all have to look alike or speak alike or eat alike or dress alike. I mean, all of that is good, but we still live in a world where there's a lot of prejudice, a lot of divisions in humanity, and there's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of lost opportunity. There are a lot of people who are desperate. All of us understand what it means to suffer loss. I mean, the world is still a very broken place. And I'm not certain that all the changes that we see swirling about us are necessarily positive changes. Some of them are positive. If I can pay bills without using a checkbook and speed up my day, well, that's fine. But some changes that we see are not necessarily going to bring life. Right, they're a result of our brokenness, right? Exactly, yeah. and, and, and a vain attempt by human wisdom alone without the light of heaven to try and problem solve. Mm-hmm. Jesus walked in a world like this. Mm-hmm. It was very divided, it was very broken, all kinds of prejudice, all For kinds sure. of heartache and desperation. And again, people had all kinds of ideas about the way it should be that were folly because they were not heaven-sent ideas. Mm-hmm. And as Jesus walked in the world, he kind of cross some lines. He challenged some boundaries. And so in one famous story in John chapter four, Mm -hmm, he's got to move from one part of the country to the other. Mm -hmm. And he has several ways he can go. And instead of taking the road that would keep him in the company of people that he already loved and knew or that would like him, his own people group, his own cultural group, he decides he's going to walk through Samaria, which is a people set aside. And while he's there famously, He sits by a well while his disciples try and go to the supermarket, so to speak, (laughs) find something to eat. And while he's there, a woman comes up, and this gal starts talking to him, and there's this famous conversation with the woman at the Samaritan well. And I want to read just a little section of this conversation and the whole narrative. And then, Kimberly, you give us a little bit of frame of reference why this is so extraordinary. Yeah, okay. This is John chapter 4, beginning with verse 27. Just then, the disciples of Jesus came back. He had just been talking to this woman at the well. And they were shocked. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask out loud, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. But meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. (laughs) They're not interested in this gal at all. They don't care what he's been doing. Eat something. You've got to have some nourishment. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say to you, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. Mm-hmm. Beautiful story, isn't it? Now, Kimberly, <laughs> what's the problem? Why are these disciples so confused about Jesus sitting and talking to this gal? Well, Jesus is here doing what Jesus does all the time turning the culture upside down on its head, doing things that you just would never do. And so he blows the minds of these Hebrew 
uh, fishermen who are following him all around Galilee and traversing over across past Palestine. He happens to have purposely gone out of his way, as you mentioned, to Samaria, uh, which is not a place where Jews visited. This is uh, a place of their sort of mortal enemies. The Samaritans are people who the Jews look down on. It's kind of a hostile neighborhood. Yeah, and, and he purposely, the scripture tells us, goes to this hostile neighborhood. And likely that he would be dressed or speak in a way that would separate him out. I mean, it'd be obvious that it's he was not one of them. that he's a Jew. And not only is he a Jew, he's a man, and he's a Jewish rabbi, he's a teacher. And here he is, one man speaking to one woman. This was completely taboo. So there's a kind of a gender gap oh, here, not yeah. just a cultural one. Men spoke to men, women spoke to women. And men didn't speak to women alone by the well. Never. And what is this woman doing at the well in the middle of the day? The women go out, right, in groups uh, in the morning before the sun comes up, gather water for the day, and go back and do all the work of the household. This woman's out in the middle of the day. Why? Well, as the story unfolds and Jesus sort of tells her her own truth, what we see is that this is a woman who has been married five times, is living with a man who isn't her husband. And uh, then we kind of understand the reason she's coming to the well in the middle of the day is because she probably wants to avoid the gossip of the she's women in the morning. likely a social outcast in her own town. She's definitely a social outcast. There's no such thing as privacy or personal space in the ancient world. So everybody knows her business. She comes to the well to be alone, and that day she encounters Jesus. And he speaks to her exactly where she needs to be spoken to. He calls forth her truth, and he meets her at the moment of her need. What she thinks is she needs water for the day. He says, I can give you water so you never have to come back here again. I can meet the deepest need of your heart. Mm -hmm. And this whole narrative is exactly relevant to our question. What do we do to transform our community? Because Jesus is modeling for us Mm -hmm. what to do. The disciples represent many of us who may be conventionally framed. They're all about getting food, organizing the church supper. They're all about their journey, their agenda, their way of doing things. The routine, the status quo, keeping it going as we've been doing. Playing by the rules. Uh Let's not color outside the lines. And, And we just don't have time. And we really don't have the interest or the desire to engage people that we're not sure are even qualified to be a part of our club. And P.S., what in the world are we doing in Sikhar and Samaria, right? (laughs) So, I mean, their whole frame of reference is often like our own when we stop and think about it, when we pour our life and energy into some kind of church work, often perpetuating something that was meaningful to us as Mm -hmm. we grew up or that we have imagined would do some good, but actually is not transforming our community. And Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to take some chances. I'm going to get out there where the people who need to be transformed are. He famously said once when people criticized him for the crowd he would hang around with, he said, you know what? People who are well don't need a doctor. (laughs) It's the sick people that need a doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm out where the broken places are. I'm going to be out on the highways and byways. His parables are filled with stories. Invite everybody off the roadway to Mm -hmm. the wedding feast and so on. It's always an emphasis on not attracting people to where I am, but being a missionary Mm -hmm. to where they are. And Jim, what I love is he went out of his way to get there. 
right? It was inconvenient. It was inconvenient, and uh, it wasn't the way you would normally go. It cost him something. It took him time. It took him out of his comfort. It caused conflict, but he did it intentionally. And the outcome of it is, as you read the story, the whole village is transformed. Mm -hmm. Because this gal, as she is transformed, becomes a witness, and she brings a whole town out there to meet Jesus. And actually, later in the New Testament, Acts chapter 8, we see Philip, the evangelist, sent to Samaria, Mm -hmm. to a city there, and it's likely that he's able to build on the witness of this earlier stop by Jesus in town. I mean, all of this speaks to us about how we should come to terms with the present future. Mm I know, Kimberly, you've been involved in some ministries that are out there. Mm -hmm. Give me a sample. Well, I have a a ministry that I helped found here in our city where we minister to women in local strip clubs. Okay, well, wait a minute. Local (laughs) strip clubs? Yeah. Okay. So I teach in the seminary during the day, and in the (laughs) evenings, I visit this local strip club, and we literally go into the club and share our lives with these women who hide in the darkness. And they are often young moms. They are people socially outcast, uh, often in the clutches or in the company of deadbeat guys who take advantage of Mm -hmm. them. And what you're doing is going to where they are because it's very unlikely they're going to come to the Sunday school class we offer. Right. They don't trust us, Jim. They think that the church thinks of them in a certain way, that we judge them, that they wouldn't be welcomed. And so we've had to go where they are to rewrite that story for them. And it takes time. It's risky, it's inconvenient, Mm -hmm. but it's missional and it matters. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in church life, we think about the allocation of resources and we're always about making sure that the church house is maintained and that the programs that have nourished us or important to us flourish. And then we think about making investments outside of that as a kind of second tier of investment. Mm -hmm. As long as we have some extra, Mm -hmm. as if somehow that was subordinate to as our cause. But honestly... The mission of Jesus is about those things first. We shouldn't balance our church books by cutting off things that are transformational in the community. Mm -hmm. And even in our church houses, we can do things that bring the community to places of healing. So like in our local church, we have this big ministry called the Lighthouse Cafe. It actually started as a dinner on Wednesday nights, like a restaurant, Mm -hmm. for people to come after work and go to Wednesday night midweek Bible study classes and all that. That's all well and good. But what's exciting about the Lighthouse Cafe is it's grown to be a freestanding ministry on its own. So now we have all kinds of people from the community who come and dine there. It's a crossroads of A to Z. People who come from whole communities that would never otherwise darken the door of a church. Now, it's in our church building, but it's missional because its purpose now has been elevated to speak into the lives of those who need hope, who need to have their eyes opened as Jesus spoke, who need to be set free. It's a wonderful way to live This is the future. Jim, I think Reggie McNeil would probably uh, love to hear about both of these ministries we shared about. You know, he's a good Southern guy. And so there is something holy about coming around the table, about sharing food, about sort of breaking down, right? It's it's the ultimate uh, boundary, the ultimate barrier breaker when you you come together and uh, share a meal together. Absolutely, because everybody likes to eat. That's right. I mean, it's a common denominator, and from there a conversation can grow. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many ways in which we can be missional that we just maybe haven't thought about carefully. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is about going out on the road to Samaria Where are the roads to Samaria in your world? Mm. Where are the women at the well in your world? If you are in church today listening to us, think about becoming more like Jesus on the road to the Samaritan well. If you're not in church now, know this. 
that God is in the business of meeting you where you are. Mm-hmm. And as you are spiritually thirsty, look for and pray for the Lord to open your eyes to see where the missional body of Christ is, because that's the place where you will see his power at work. We want you to know that wherever you are in the journey of life, our Lord is here now living, and he is working to meet you, to speak into your life, to help bring healing and hope, just like that gal Samaritan well. Her whole life was changed. She had some baggage. She had some shame. She had some guilt, and she wasn't sure how to go forward. But after meeting Jesus, all of that was transformed. And in communities where people meet Jesus and find a way forward, then the whole town could be transformed. Don't underestimate the power of your one life to affect the other people in your village, just like this gal. How to start? Pray. Pray with us right now. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the way in which you are active and at work in our world. We know, Lord, that you're close by. And to everyone who's listening today and pray with us, you are very close by. We're thankful, Father, that you are willing to leave heaven and come to earth in the person of your Son, that we might fully comprehend that you understand our journey, our challenges. And we're thankful for the work of Jesus on the cross that makes it possible for us to be free today. For everyone praying, for every community that's represented by them, we pray for your healing presence, and we pray that our heart's door will be open so that you can walk into it and transform us that we might be agents of transformation for others. I pray that because of what is heard here today and spoken, there will be lives changed and communities that move towards you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. How to get started, how to go further, how to know more? Give us a call. Dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, We're always by the phone, and when you call, we'd be so glad to send you also a copy of the book, The Present Future. Or you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us an email, and we'll reply. Or send me a letter. Use the Postal Service. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, please, let us hear from you this week. And also, yes, we want to send you a copy of the book, The Present Future. Kimberly, thanks for helping us walk to the Samaritan Thank well today. Thank you. I'm enjoying this book so much. It has got so much to chew on and so much to nourish us by. We're thankful that you came alongside. Thanks for tuning in for all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.